Economics is the study of human choice in the world we live. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By investigating faith in economics, we can learn how they lead to human flourishing. This is the Faith in Economics podcast, a presentation of the Gortney Institute at Ottawa University. All right, so today we wanted to talk about cooperation and evil. And so we're, the, we're looking to do a new business venture. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're finding, trying to find some yeah. evil to cooperate with. <laughs> but they, you know, the, we, we always talk about it in the finance world. We talk about activist investors, you know, people that are trying to, you know, use some kind of moral principle to change the uh, actions of the company. Or, you know, we think about, you know, doing business with companies that donate to causes we may not like very much. So where uh, where's the line on this? Is, are we doing something wrong if we patronize a business that contributes to bad things? Um, and, and how maybe is there a sort of a framework for us to try to understand this better? Uh, how should we how should we go about that? What do you think, Russ? Yeah. So I, I think a lot of the verses. So once we did a little Google uh, here, and there's a lot of Old Testament and oh. Though who would slay the wicked, oh God, depart from me, and therefore men of bloodshed, and all the kind of tough to understand ones, um, some not so tough, but I, I found it to be very relational. And so I think the contrast we wanted to look at was, does that mean we shouldn't buy a product from somebody who we don't know if they do it or not, for instance? So in our global commercial society, are we doing something wrong by participating in markets? And you probably know where my answer is going to be. The answer is no. But on the flip side, I, I think if we do start to learn some things, um, you know, where does that moral responsibility fall? Yeah, I think within, you know, the broader scheme of things, you know, there maybe there are specific products or specific companies that, have, have some kind of side effect, you know, like it's something, something they do is something we like, but then, you know, there's uh, maybe their, their employees donate to something that, that is bad, or maybe, you know, there's some side effect of their product existing that, you know, well, I've got one bad for you that just what came to mind that didn't came to mind before. So I watched the Michael Jackson <clears throat> documentary uh -huh. and I found it very convincing that Michael Jackson did sexually abuse in a wrong, very wrong way. Some of the boys he had doing his sleepovers and it's a long two part mini series. So I, I won't get into all the details, but I found it very convincing. There's of course people on the other side that, that push back on that, but it, it seemed uh, like a no brainer. And of course he did settle out of court later on. I forgot some of these details, but I really was, I really, <laughs> I guess I'll use the word was. I really was a Michael Jackson fan. I was one of the ones that defended him. And then now that I've watched those documentaries, I've heard a few of his songs come on and I'm conflicted because yeah. I'm, I kind of want to sing those songs and, and I love those songs. And, uh, but yeah. you know, okay. So where, where do you stand on that? Maybe that's a, that's one. Is it, is it morally okay for me to beat it? <laughs> Sorry for a bad, that's probably a bad pun and some bad singing for that matter in my acapella, but that, you know, every time if I hear that on my Pandora or something, I, I yeah. think the Michael Jackson estate gets paid a little cut. 
Yeah, it does. You know? Yeah, right. So where, where do you think on that one? That's kind of, that's along the lines, I think, of what we're, we're talking about. Yeah, so I, I, I think, um, I, I think something like this can, can change over time, right? So, you know, if the Michael Jackson estate is doing something wrong, like, I mean, you're talking about an activity of Michael Jackson himself, right? right. And so, you know, kind of the way I would think about it is, is, of course, if you're listening to his music, then you're contributing to his, you know, ratings or whatever at the time. And like, you know, it's, it's kind of right. interesting how, you know, like how people got paid back then, right. For mm -hmm. music and stuff. But, yeah. but you know, if you bought one of his records or tapes or whatever back in the yeah. day, right. Yeah. When he was around and, you know, and you knew he was doing it, right. He was, he was doing something horrible to these kids. Right. So like, to me, that is that, 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 that kind of gives us intent. Right. And so if we fall back on if we would have known back then and then we continue yeah. to be a raging fan. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I, to me, that would be the most egregious form of cooperation. Yeah. Right. So like you're not the one doing the act, right? He is. Yeah. But you know, that would be, you know, in, in this, uh, maybe we'll put a link to this PDF for this little breakdown or something that would be formal cooperation, right? You're intending for your support of Michael Jackson to make it easier for him to, you know, groom these kids or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that would be obviously bad. Right. But if all you're doing is buying his music cause you enjoy it. And number one, you don't even know that he does it or you don't want him to do it. Then to me, that would, that would fall someone under, somewhere under material cooperation. Yeah. So like you're giving, you're giving him money, but like what he does with that money is, is his decision. And you aren't, you aren't saying you want him to do something, you know, specifically bad with that money. Right. Right. But the chart here, I'm not sure totally applies to that one where mm -hmm. you're the, the chart we're referring to here is from where the archdiocese of Philadelphia, Philadelphia. from years ago, but mm -hmm. it's some sort of thing kind of working through the details yeah. and it says equally guilty of the immoral act. So if you are formal, Right. You have knowledge and maybe you're, but to me that would be like, I don't know, playing around. I, I, I don't know if buying his record is, is that the formal act they're talking about there? Do you think from a yeah. theological standpoint or, or not? Or maybe it, that might even be a stretch. I feel like that's not quite where it's, where it's in. I, I guess maybe the wording of it would probably be dependent on the activity, right? So like in this case, yeah, there's probably some distance, and I think what's interesting about this chart is it kind of it kind of discusses material cooperation in terms of like how distant your action is from the evil act itself, right? And so I mean, yeah, like we could say you know all funds are fungible, right? You mean you give him ten bucks for a record or a, or a cassette tape or whatever, then I mean what he does specifically with that ten dollars is really his choice. It's not the same thing as being the, the, the driver for a bank robbery, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're actually, you know, they, they have to have a car, right? And so in this chart, it says, you know, providing the material that is necessary for the immoral act to occur, right? So like the car is necessary because it has to, you know, they have to get away from the bank, right? And so we would say that the driver is guilty morally. Now, the way the law treats them might be a little bit different, right? It might be an accomplice versus the actual murderer, right? Mm -hmm. Or the accomplice versus the bank robber. Yeah. But in terms of just talking about the morality of the situation, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, guess, I guess part of the distinction between material and formal is your intent, 
Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's that's really the big divide between those two. And I think that's general what categories. morality is in general is where your intentions <clears throat> lie. If you intended to hurt somebody, or if it was an accident, either way you hurt the person. But it was immoral if you intentionally right. did the harm. And and we do have things for that gray area sometimes where people are punished. Right. So manslaughter. Right. Negligence. You know, if you, you accidentally hit someone with a car, right, you didn't intend to kill them. Yeah. There was no premeditation. You know, there, so there's still some kind of culpability there because you weren't aware. So of is situation, our right? system inherently immoral, our market system, because we're, we, we agree to not go to that level mm-hmm. of learning the intentions. So a book that I'm working on for the Liberty Fund is uh, Our Economist Basically Immoral. And he gives this... Uh, this nice thing about like a stop sign. Like we all agree to the rules of law to follow the stop sign, even though somebody might have a very good moral reason to blow through that stop sign. Right. But if we all brought morality into the traffic system, it would be so jammed up because we'd come to an intersection and we'd say, oh, Levi, what, how bad do you need to get through this intersection? Well, it sounds like you, <laughs> you need it more than I do. So right. each according to their need, you go through first and I'll go through second. And then the next people would have their conversation. Right. And it's preposterous, but it's kind of fun to push your brain to that extreme of that. That's mm-hmm. what we do every day is we agree to participate in the market system knowing that right. that's not on the table when we do it. Now, that's still a little bit different than the Michael Jackson thing. Once we learn different elements, then I think you're forced to make that moral. You can't sit back and say that claim any longer, I guess, once it comes into your social sphere, however that came into your social sphere. So other people who haven't watched the documentary I did, they continue to be a part of this and they're not acting immorally. Yeah because they don't know any better. Yeah, so what I, I think I would go down to the bottom of this chart, um, and it says, you know, remote material cooperation is when you make a contribution to an act that does not lead to the commission of the act. Okay. Right, so it's not necessary. So buying Michael's, buying Michael's music. Right, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't his, think- his, his music is an act that's independent of his act. Yeah, right, right. there you go. Right. And so then it says not guilty when there is a proportionately serious reason to do so. Right, so like, well, so what is proportionately serious, right? So like in this case... Like I really need the Michael Jackson music. <laughs> right. It's like... Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, but, I, but I think that's the other... Motown pop thing. Yeah. And, uh, I, think, I think that's the other thing too, though, is in this particular case is, is knowledge, right? So like we're... In this framework, I think the framework is good, but I think what where it it doesn't it's not designed to deal with knowledge, right? It's like if you don't know that you know Michael Jackson was this horrible abuser, yeah. right? Well, then you know you're just listening to music, right? Yeah. I mean, there's not necessarily anything seriously wrong with that, and so there's no you know the proportionately serious reason has to be pretty mild, right? Yeah. But when we're talking about you know driving a getaway car for a bank, it's like well, okay, what's the proportionally serious reason? Okay, they have a gun to your head. Yeah. Right, you have to drive this car, buddy. Right, yeah. so the proportionally serious reason is I don't want to get murdered, <laughs> you know. And in my case, I'll be moral if I give him a thumbs down when it comes up on my Pandora, <laughs> yeah. just even though protest. I have lots of I have lots of thumbs up as long as I turn those to thumbs yeah. down, yeah. 
then God and I are on. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's the thing is now you have that knowledge, <laughs> right? So you can you can make a different decision yeah. and you can fit in this framework a little better. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, maybe that's a good spot for a break, and we can next on the on the other side. Maybe we can talk more about sort of the business type stuff. We can talk about some of this activist investing and yeah, and and that sort of thing. Sounds like plan. Please visit our website at 123povertysex.org. There you will find our events, blog, and our swag shop. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 123povertysex or on Facebook at Gortney Institute for updates on our activities and research. If you enjoy our podcast and want to support our work, please consider a one-time or recurring donation. Please visit donate.123povertysex.org. Okay, so we uh, want to kind of get into some maybe some more specific examples. Some more evil examples. Some more evil examples, that's right. That is the theme. (laughs) (laughs) On how crazy we need to drive ourselves on this. So I thought I'd throw a Bible quote here, Exodus 23, 2. You shall not follow the masses in doing evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after a multitude in order to pervert justice. So it's like, uh, don't, don't be a lemming and follow the first one off the cliff. Right? Yeah, I think that so. Kind of thing. I think so. <laughs> but what struck me with like a verse like that is we, you always hear people kind of talking about, Oh, the world's just so evil or the world's just messed up. And it's like, yeah. okay, here it says, you shall not follow the masses in doing evil. And you know, following maybe is a little bit different word, but that I, I not one to think that it's best to like, shut yourself up in your house and start dropping on your knees and praying for 24 hours a day. And that's, that's living life. So, so that kind of brings us to, uh, should we do investing? Should we, what what are you thinking with the, well, I think that's, I think that's the thing is, is it, it goes to the sort of the, the quote unquote distance that you are from the activity. Right. And first of all, your intent. And then second of all, the distance you have from, from that thing. And maybe if there's some reason why it, it, it's important for you to, to still, you know, so if, if all the home builders, you know, also do child sacrifices, you know, should you go without a home? <laughs> that's like, <laughs> that's pretty extreme. But so then we think about, you know, some of these investing choices and, you know, I, I think it's kind of interesting where you, you get a lot of this idea of, of activist investing, right? That, that, that the stuff the company does itself is evil, right? That, that people, people don't like what the company itself is doing. And so then, so how, how, how important is their co-op, their, their investment in that company, right? Well, to me, that's close enough, you know, that, that we're starting to get into something that would be proximate cooperation or, 
you know, immediate cooperation where, you know, maybe you don't intend for them to do certain bad things. You know, maybe you were talking about some conglomerate, right? And they make 50 products and, but three of them are really bad and the other 47 are okay. You know, so, so let me push back on you. How, a little how, bit. how close is your cooperation? Yeah, that, that right? and uh, what sort of obligation would you have then to do a little bit of minimal research to to find that, or do yeah. you have an obligation? So, I, I mean, so a couple things popped in my mind. Don't judge, lest you be judged. When when are we? If we're digging into so many details to get to that. And we might be being lied to anyway or misled if a company comes off as being moral, but they're really just doing it to appease the masses and to make sales or whatever. So I, I think it's a monumental task. Well, I think, I think it depends. So number one, you want to avoid sloth, right? There's one of the de seven deadly sins. So you don't want to just say, oh, it's too hard. It's too much work, right? So you have potentially some obligation to, to check these things out. But the other thing too is, is maybe this gets into markets, right? So I was doing research for a paper on bank regulation that never went anywhere. But the, the thing about the, the bank regulation is that a lot of it is just trying to correct problems that other regulations cause, right? So the federal deposit insurance, right, creates a lot of um, information asymmetries and stuff like that. So bank regulation has to, you know, force the banks to hold, you know, so much capital in reserve, right? So maybe if we got rid of federal deposit insurance, then we wouldn't have to have those capital regs. But one of the regulations that, that seems to be straightforwardly good for them is transparency stuff. Um, and so this, I think, would lower the hurdle, right? So publicly traded companies have to release their financials, right? And they have a list of all the lawsuits they're involved in, you know, and lawsuits are public record. And really, I think, so that, that's an example, I think, where you can have a good regulation, right? Some kind of transparency regulation that then cooperates with, you know, maybe some kind of a watchdog organization, right? We have tons of those. And so then that lowers the cost to you as an individual investor, right? You just go to your watchdog organization, you know, and say, okay, well, how, you know, what, what are the good companies I can, you know, if I'm concerned about, you know, X, Y, Z issue, if I'm concerned about the environment, right? Maybe I can go to the environmental working group or, you know, the World Wildlife Fund or something, right? Mm -hmm. And one of these groups can help me get information about the practices of these companies, right? So maybe there's a role for some of this transparency. And yeah, if everything's locked up in a box and you, you don't know, I mean, you can't find out, well, that's certainly too high of a bar, but yeah. there so are ways for us I to use market mechanisms to lower those bars. So too. my Lutheranism is going to come through here <laughs> and just say, I don't think we have any obligation. I don't think we have to do any of that. I think we are free within Christ to make our best judgment on the spot and that there's not an obligation in the sense that I think you're saying it. So I think we are free to sin <laughs> that we can, we should, we'll, we'll want to, um, make things right and be good stewards of resources. And it's, so it's not like there's any decision, but, when we look at something specific, I don't think there's an obligation in the same sense that 
maybe what's being put here, what we're even talking about. So well, I so, want to let the Christians yeah. listening that the Lutheran says you're off the hook on that. <laughs> right. uh, like I've told my brother before, I think you're working too hard. You know, don't stress out because he like this article with this Shea guy. If you start yeah. really thinking about it, you'll drive yourself crazy because well, you okay. can't avoid it sure. and you can't avoid sin. And I think that's the Lutheran general right. message is that, Listen, this is all to point you to Christ, to see the inevitably that you're not going to be able to solve the problem. You're not going to be able to behave righteously. Your most righteous deeds are filthy rags. So just stop it. Jesus is trying to cling to you in this evil world full of sin and your sinful heart. Jesus is trying to hold on to you. Don't worry so much about, you know, so what then would what, Jesus so then, But do? then what obligations do you have? Like, so you have an obligation for anything at that point? Like, Love God, make disciples of all nations. But, but how, well, well, that sounds like a, I mean, man, that sounds like really hard. I got to travel to every nation. Man, man, you're putting too much scrupulosity on me. No, Russ. I like, mean, that, oh. I, I get it. That, that is the tough question. Like, okay, so you're saying, Russ, I don't have to do anything. So yeah. now what am I going to do? Well, so see, this is, <laughs> so decisions are yeah. inevitable. And so yeah, this, I mean, this is, I think the problem I have with some of this stuff is like that, Yes, there is a range of acceptable things, right? We don't want to go too far off of one end, right? If we if we aren't, you know, called to the monastic life, then, you know, we have to live in the real world. And so there are, you know, there are some things that, you know, we, we could become overly scrupulous. And then there's, we can yeah. go the other way and just not give a crap and just be totally apathetic. But, okay, so which I'm are with both bad. So right? I, both I of those extremes got, are bad. If, if I could draw a graph for all the listeners right now, I, I, <laughs> I think yeah. we have this apex point where, where I always feel like some religions, Catholics not necessarily be even in being at the top of the list, go over the top with works on feeling this obligation that they need to do. If, if you don't feel like you need to do anything like you're, you know, the pushback to the Lutherans, let's say, that's probably a good way you'll drift away from Christ too. As you get caught up in not doing daily reminders, sure. maybe your own rituals, your own habits of, you know, reading the Bible and staying close and going to church and doing those things. So yeah, you're right. If you do nothing and you just participate in the sinful world, then that's the part where I said Jesus is trying to hang on to you because you will drift away also. So I think there is this like optimal point where, okay, I don't really have to do anything, but I'd really like to, to be closer to Jesus and, and know and know the way and know the truth and, and not get unfaith. But then I go a little bit further and it's all of a sudden like, Oh, well, what's all of this stuff? I, maybe I should be doing more. And then the right. pressure yeah, and the yeah, burden yeah. comes on. And right. so, so I think, I think two more things that, you, that I think you can add to some of this is, is one sort of a notion of sacrifice, right? So like my, we, we recently got rid of our Netflix subscription, partly just because, you know, we watched too much Netflix, but also partly because of this whole Georgia passed their heartbeat bill. And then Netflix said, you know, we're not going to make movies in Atlanta anymore. And it's like, okay, you know, if, if you guys have no problem with Saudi Arabia, but now all of a sudden Georgia is too far for you, you know, then, then I am willing to sacrifice something. And I think that's, I think that's something that's missing in the modern world, right? This is, some, this is one of the big problems of the modern world is we do not want to sacrifice anything at all, mm -hmm. you know, and we don't see how Christ gave us an example of sacrifice so many times. The um, ultimate one, yeah. Well, sure, but I mean, even <laughs> even less extreme ones as well, right? Uh -huh. yeah. And and you know, austerity and all of these sorts of things are not necessarily bad things. And 
if they're done for a good purpose, they can be good. And then I think the other problem is, you know, when we find this optimal point, which I take your very, very <laughs> economics, I like it, but you know, it's, it's one of these things where it's like, so, okay, so how can I know how much I, if I'm doing too much or not doing enough? Yeah. All right. So then I think it goes back to a lot of our conversations, like a lot of our conversations do, which is we go back to authority. And so then we go back to the sort of Catholic versus Protestant divide. But, but I do think this, this, I think one of the biggest things is this, this idea of in the modern world, we have this, we have this aversion to sacrifice and it's like we we have to reprioritize you know when i was when i was 16 this guy told me uh you know i said i said i don't have time and he said no everybody has the same 24 hours in the day what you have are different priorities mm -hmm. and you need to figure out if your priorities are lined up correctly yeah. you know so maybe we just need to reorient our pri priorities a little bit and recognize that some of the things we'd like to do should be lower on our priority list yeah and I would say through prayer is how sure. you find out whether you think you're doing enough or you're close enough. I mean, I think everybody's going to find that different spot. But having, I think that's between you and the big man upstairs, not necessarily some pastor or preacher or pope or you know, whatever, some organization, some institution that's marred by sin because it's in sinful people that that are there that that is where you get your p's and q's from so i kind of think a more direct line between you and the holy spirit praying for guidance and strength and and then when you kind of come up with that idea like i think this is a good idea i think this is the right thing to do and you've done you've had that dialogue and you, you might not hear a voice in your head that says, yes, do this or whatever. I, right, right. I, I can personally say I don't have those moments, but I do have moments where I just, it just feels right or it clicks or, you know, and you yeah. kind of make that leap of faith that if God didn't want me to do it, there would be a bigger barrier or something. Sure. Something would, would be tugging yeah. me the other direction. And, you know, and, and I think you know, I go back to our conversation with Rachel Ferguson. You know, she said, Catholics are always saying both and, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I obviously I would never discourage someone from all of that, but I would also say that it, sometimes it's good to have somebody else check your work, right? Yeah. And, and um, you know, a good confessor, as we call him in, in the church, is a good, uh, in the Catholic church, is, is a good person to have. And, 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 you know, hopefully, and I think that's maybe part of the reason why we have these people in the Catholic church is we like them, you know, we like our priests or monks or whatever to, to pray all day long so that they are, uh, as as sinless as can be, right? And and then they're they're very well connected and very good um, confessors. And you know, I got to push back on that. Well, that they're not any more connected than than we are. But, uh, but I, I love I. I, you yes, ever heard I love of, when you tee me up like that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know, it's 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 like I think this this podcast is funny. It's, it's like have you ever heard the the saying that like all maps are actually just maps of population density. You know what I mean? So they'll say like, oh, maps of crime, you know, and it's just, oh. there's the most crime just where there's the most people. Right? Oh, okay. um, well, I think this, this podcast is like all these, you know, sort of, su you know, superficial issues. And then the bottom, the bottom of it is just sort of like, <laughs> like uh, Catholicism versus <laughs> Henry the AIDS versus Thomas War or something. But yeah. You know, and I heard, I heard one today, um, we could probably wrap up here pretty soon, but Google and they 
kind of bow to whatever the Chinese government wants to do oh, with yeah. allowing content. Mm -hmm. But yet in the United States, we stand, since we're getting close to the 4th of July, although this will air after the 4th of July, but, yeah. you know, we're about freedom and human rights and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, but, you yeah. know, so we patronize Google, almost come close to worshiping Google, I think, in some cases. And they're um, just so connected into but our yet, lives. Oh, right? well, of course, you know, that's China. That's But we don't take a stand to say... Yeah. Google, you shouldn't be doing this, right? right. Or that that's yeah. not right. They can figure out their own. And truthfully, they probably would figure out their own. Oh, yeah. I mean, all this it's stuff with Huawei. It's just that Google would miss out on the advertising and, yes. and relationship with China. But And it's interesting how far that goes into media, too. I mean, you see, like, movies. I've heard people talk about, you know, sort of movie critic types are saying, you know, movies are just getting dumber. And, like, the dialogue is, is getting thinner mm -hmm. because they're trying to pander to a market that does not speak English. And so they're trying to make oh, the movies where like more you could, global kind of, in a well, sense? so you could just understand what was going on just purely through like the physical interaction of people, not that what they actually say. Huh. And so <laughs> I kind of thought that was, it's like, Oh my gosh, you yeah. know, it's such a weird thing to hear from a, you know, a critic or whatever. But right, right. anyway, all right. Well, I think that looks like a good spot to come to a rest on this one. And, like to uh, thank all of you for listening and make sure you hit your subscribe button on your favorite podcast if you like what we do and that's a great way to keep our uh, numbers up we've been we've been growing and and doing some good things and if you feel so compelled you can hit the old donate button on our website as well but uh, we appreciate you listening be fruitful and multiply thanks <laughs>